You're listening to a message from our Young Adult Bible Study. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you. To learn more about our ministry, go to peacechurch.cc slash youngadults. I was thinking about today how growing up, I knew my neighborhood very well. Um, We would, all the time, throughout um, the summers, we would race scooters down the streets uh, we, one of our neighbors actually like recently had redone his driveway and he let us race down it. They didn't have any kids, but we were their kids cause we'd race down their very smooth driveway on our scooters all the time. Um, we would ride bikes around the trails around the neighborhood. We would walk up to the old football stadium that we were right next to and we'd crawl through the very, um, cheaply locked gate and we would play football on the old football field. Um, I just, I, like, I knew my neighborhood very well, and I knew my friends' yards very well because of how often we would play football in um, their field. We would play capture the flag in the Goyette's yard almost every weekend. We would climb the tree in my front yard. We would bounce on the trampoline in Garrett's backyard. We ran the lemonade stand in front of Ethan's front yard. Like, we, I knew my neighborhood very well. I knew the yards of my friends very well. What I did not know as well was the inside of my friends' houses. It was, it happened, but it was a little more rare that um, I would be invited in for a meal at one of their houses. I would go in and play games in their basement or in their bedroom, but it was, it was a more rare occurrence that I'd be invited in and have a seat at their table for a meal. It was a, it was a rare treat. Um, it happened. It's not like it never happened, but it was just more rare than playing in their yard. And whenever I was invited for a meal, I would sit at their table. I would be given food to eat. I would have conversations as if I was one of the family members. And it was just a very special thing. It was always um, a nice blessing. So let's imagine that scene, right? You're invited to a dinner table. You're brought into a feast, um, a large wooden dining room, table, you're, you're put in a chair at that table, you're invited to feast. It would be rude to stand in the corner and just like watch everyone eat. If you were invited in, the right response is not to stand in the corner and be malnourished. The right response is to eat, to sit at the table and to eat. So my question for us tonight is, are you eating? God has given us a feast in his word. We are invited to the table. Are you being fed or are you in a corner being spiritually malnourished? Uh, We are in a series that we're ending tonight called Living Like Jesus. We're looking at the spiritual disciplines that Jesus practiced and we've been looking at Jesus. Um, Our purpose is to image God. Jesus is the image of God and so our purpose is to be like Jesus and We've looked at Jesus. We looked at one of his spiritual disciplines that he modeled in the Gospels, which is prayer. We looked at, we looked at prayer last night, or last week. Um, no one was here last night. Don't feel like you missed out. Last week, and tonight, we are looking at another habit of Jesus. We're looking at the habit of devotionally reading Scripture, of reading, knowing, memorizing, depending on, and applying Scripture. Thank you, Miles. (laughs) Uh, Jesus did that, and he did it in sincere faith and devotion, and he modeled it for us, so I hope tonight we can strive to imitate him as he invites us to live like him. 
So let's open our Bibles, if you have them, or uh, go to your app. Luke 4.4. We are in Luke 4.4. Tonight, Jesus says in his word, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That is why we go to scripture. And in Luke 4.4, Jesus says, and Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. I found out, this is crazy, because it's just like a coincidence, but uh, Matthew recounts this exact moment in his gospel, and in Matthew it's also chapter 4, verse 4, which is crazy. So Matthew 4, 4, you could be there, and you wouldn't, I mean, you would be in the wrong spot because we're in Luke, but technically it would work because it's the same, same, same verse, basically. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And Jesus answered him, it is written. There's a context to this, and I debated reading the entire context, but I opted instead just to show the central um, part I want us to focus on is verse four, and I'll explain the context a little bit. Jesus had not yet begun his ministry that we read about in the Gospels, but he was about to. He was about to start, and so what he did in order to have the right heart prior to beginning his ministry is he fasted in solitude in the desert. Crazy. So he fasted in solitude. And both of those habits are worth thinking about. Fasting and times of solitude. Like those are both good spiritual disciplines that he modeled that are worth us to consider practicing ourselves. Uh, Jesus did not do them as often, but he did model them. He did practice them. Um, but the the focus, I think, the, the spiritual discipline that is most highlighted in this story is neither solitude or fasting. I believe it is the importance of scripture that is highlighted in this passage. Jesus demonstrates his reliance on, his faith in, and his knowledge of scripture. He's in the wilderness, fasting in solitude, preparing his heart for his ministry and Satan came in order to tempt him in the desert. And in response to the Satan, Satan's temptation, in response, Jesus leans on scripture. Jesus says, it is written. It is written. So often, we resort to other things. We resort to saying and thinking of other things than what Jesus did in response to temptation. There are plenty of ways to respond to Satan's temptations. There are plenty of ways to respond to an an attack on your faith. We often respond with a philosophical argument and an apologetic, uh, uh, a philosophical argument that and it's not wrong to do that we we actually have to often do that but it wasn't the first thing Jesus did when 
our faith is attacked, we often respond with an appeal to our passionate feelings, our, our strong desire to follow Jesus. And it isn't wrong to do that. We often must do that, but it, it isn't the first thing Jesus did. There are plenty of ways to respond to an attack on your faith with strong emotion, your desire to follow Jesus, with uh, the intellectual response that you believe would help the, the logic of the attack. But the, the first thing Jesus did in response to an attack on his faith wasn't uh, some rhetoric of logic. It wasn't to lean on his passion for God. It was simply to say, it is written. The first thing Jesus did in response to an attack on his faith was to simply say, it is written. The first line of defense for the people of God is the offensive promises of God. The first line of defense for a Christian is the offensive promises of God. God has spoken and if God has spoken into our world. He has been an active participant to speak. He's on the offense, offensive. I'm trying to avoid saying offensive because it's, I mean, it is offensive. But I'm saying offense, he's moving forward. He's speaking into, he's moving forward into our world. His action is our armor. His promise is our protection. His sword is our sword. A Christian's defense is God's offense. He is speaking and he has spoken. And Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus is quoting scripture. (laughs) Deuteronomy 8. And there's a beautiful reference that is in this situation. In Deuteronomy 8, it says, man shall not live by bread alone, recalling the time that Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And as Jesus is in the desert for 40 days, he thinks of the time that Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And just as Israel was dependent on God for bread in the wilderness... Jesus was showing how our true dependence is on spiritual bread, spiritual nourishment from God, not just physical bread. Jesus shows us the importance of scripture. He does this by his example and he does this through his gospel. Jesus models the importance of knowing the word of God. His example, the way he lives, shows us the way that we are to live. So Jesus models the importance of knowing the word of God. Jesus also shows us the importance of scripture through the gospel itself. The Bible calls Jesus the word that became flesh. He is the word that became flesh. He is the logos, the logos, the word of God incarnate. He is the true image of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is all of these things. But there's one really cool title that the Bible gives Jesus as well. 
and that is the bread of life. We find life in physical bread. We find it's limited, but we find a degree of life from the nourishment of physical bread. We find life in physical bread, but in a limited sense. We also find life in the bread that is spiritual bread, taking in scripture. But only to the degree that we truly take it in, that we truly let it change our lives. We take in physical bread and find life. We take in spiritual bread and we find life. But the greatest truth is when we realize that we can find eternal life in the bread of life. Jesus, who broke his body on our behalf, there is no greater hope than the hope that we have in Jesus. And after this encounter, Jesus is in the desert. He uses scripture to defeat the lies of Satan. He uses scripture to defeat the temptations of Satan. And Jesus leaves the desert and he goes into his hometown and he begins his ministry. And one of the first things that he does is he enters the synagogue where they would have the teacher come up and read the scroll, read, read something from the Old Testament. And it's incredible about the life of Jesus that he doesn't model the importance of scripture just right prior to his ministry starting, but his entire life was one of taking in scripture. He had the ability to speak on it with intimate knowledge of it because his entire life was dedicated to soaking up the scriptures and knowing them intimately. And so Jesus starts his ministry, walks in the synagogue, he stands up and he opens a scroll and he reads it. And he reads a very short passage, but a passage that beautifully speaks of a, of a picture of, of God moving amongst his people. And he, he reads a small passage, he puts it down, and then he says, this scripture is actually about me. Which produced a lot of opinions and responses. Some people were amazed. Some people were just confused. And a lot of people were angry. And they eventually tried to kill him because of the audacity of his authoritative teaching, the audacity to point to himself as the fulfillment of scripture. And yet, that is exactly how we should read scripture as well. To see that it is pointing us to Jesus, to the way, the truth, and the life, the, the word of God incarnate, the true image of God, the bread of life. When we read the Bible, it is all ultimately pointing us to our Savior and to Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He always has been, he was then, and he always will be. So my encouragement for us tonight is to consider how scripture is digging into our hearts, not just tonight, but every day. I had the privilege of preaching on Sunday at our Wayland campus, and one thing that really the Holy Spirit spoke, um, used to speak to me was this idea of we need scripture and God's truth every day because Satan's lies don't ever take a day off. We are meant to live not just on bread alone, but by the word of God and every day. And Jesus modeled that daily intimate interaction with God's word. And if Jesus purchased the right for us to do this, then we need to consider our habits 
of devotion towards God's word. Which, praise God, we're here right now at a Bible study. And so I hope that all of you feel a little bit encouraged in this moment that we are doing it actively right now. Um, That is the Holy Spirit confirming in us some goodness of our rhythm of scripture and study of it. But I want us all to consider how is the Holy Spirit not just confirming in us our habits but convicting us of ways that they might need to change and grow. If you've ever experienced a rhythm of scripture reading, you know how life-giving it is. You know how powerful it is. You know how it can protect our hearts and our minds like nothing else can. A, a, A good rhythm of daily taking in scripture. So just a easy, a simple question, not an easy question, but a simple question. How are your habits of devotion doing? How are your habits of devotionally reading God's truth doing? And I pray that there would be confirmation from the Holy Spirit that you're here right now for a reason. And I pray that there would be conviction from the Holy Spirit that we are all being invited into a deeper relationship with God in some way. We are all being invited to a deeper relationship with God, his truth, his word, and his promises. So I have some discussion questions that we can discuss at our tables. Uh, First off, read Luke 4.4, reread the passage. And then some questions, um, additional questions. What questions came up when you read the passage? What does this passage tell you about Jesus? I just said all of scripture should make us think of Jesus, point to Jesus in some, some way. So what, is, what questions come up? How does this passage, what does this passage tell you about Jesus? And then the final two questions, um, I love this question. What devotional habits have you seen in other people that you respect? We can't, like there are so many good ways to take in scripture and to have daily habits of taking in scripture. There are so many good examples of that. What are some ways you've seen other people do that that you respect and pick one of them (laughs) try it out Um, and then lastly read and reflect on these other passages Luke 2 Matthew 5 John 8 Psalm 22 and I want you to read that alongside Matthew 27 and then Luke 24 ask yourself the same questions with those passages what does this tell you about Jesus what questions come up and what can we take away so I'm going to pray Uh, We're going to be in our discussion groups for about a half hour and then we'll end the night with prayer because we are Christians, darn it, and that's what we do. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that um, you have us here tonight. Um, Father, you know each and every one of us more intimately than we know ourselves. You know um, our anxieties and our fears and you know our joys and um, God, what we're excited about. And Father, so we just pray that uh, you're with us now, that all of us leave here closer to you than we were when we came in. And Father, I pray you speak through your word, which is the best thing that could happen to us tonight. For our joy and your glory, we pray this in your name. Amen.